This is the final week of our series, Fine Line. I, I said last week was week two, but this is week two of the series. Uh, week one, I talked about um, last week one. I talked about the difference between intention and direction, and I talked about how you can have the intention of dating, but is there direction in it? Are you having the right direction in your life in a relationship? Because because a lot of us jump into one and have no idea what we're doing. But it's not until you have direction in order to get a destination when you understand, when you have the wisdom and the tenacity to do it. So week, uh, last week, I talked about ironing, sharpening iron. If you're here for Spiritual Lounge, I talked about ironing, sharpening iron. And it's not just about the challenge and the, and the, and the, and the confrontation, but it's also the encouragement. It's also, it's also the loving part. Sharpening someone can be encouraging. It doesn't have to always be conviction. And so I talked about that. Last week is your relationships sharpening you. So for tonight, um, this this is this is a perspective I've had for the past couple of years because it's helped me in in getting into a relationship. Because the first thing that comes to your mind when you get into a relationship is is that one person the one for me? That's that's your mindset. But the perspective I got that changed my way of thinking on how relationships work is that instead of me thinking about that person for me, what about me being that person for them? And I thought about instead of thinking that they need to be the perfect person for me, why not I be that perfect person for them? It's not really about who you get. It's about who you become. It's always going to be about how do you develop? How do you grow in a relationship for that person? It's not about finding the right one. It's about becoming the right one because we're so focused on what we want out of it. But sometimes you need to understand that you need to work yourself through it. And so for tonight, for the title of tonight, I want to call it, Who Am I Becoming? Who Am I Becoming? It's important to be people that God has called us to be. But I wanted to give a couple of tips. I want to give four tips about becoming that person. Tip number one is become a person who is zealous about the house of God. So the word zealous, or even just the word itself, zeal, means passion, means fire for something, means being excited about something that some other people aren't as excited about being zealous, having a zeal. The Bible talks about being, having zeal with knowledge. And it's kind of funny because if you only have knowledge but no zeal, you'll sound like an intellectual dummy. But if you have only zeal yet no knowledge, you will accept anything that comes into your path and you might be misled. It's all about knowledge and zeal. And one of the things about being zealous for God, the house of God, which means being on fire for Christ. Now, I'm not just talking about that cliche that's like, be, burn for Jesus. You know, you, you got to burn for Jesus Christ. You can't, it's not just about the burning of that, but it's about the personal passion and relationship that you have with him. That's where it comes from. It's having a personal passion. I want to show you in Revelation chapter 3, verse 15. It says, Jesus was saying this, I know all things you do that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. What he means is that he would rather you be passionate for him or not be passionate for him. Because what he says next is crucial. I wish you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you 
out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. We see right here that Jesus has one complaint with these people because they had certain parts of their lives together, but there was a big problem. They were not living. See, there's a difference between believing and living. When you only believe, you only have a certain piece of Christ in you. But when you live for him, you have more of a benefit and an opportunity. And a lot of people just think, here's my ticket. He, God so loved the world, I'm saved. And that's just not the format. Now, it doesn't mean you have to be this perfectionist. Because guess what? We're never going to get it right. We will never, ever get it right until we are made perfect in heaven or when Christ returns. But the thing is, is that if we only say, oh, I'll never get it right, and think we can never live in that lifestyle of Christianity and live in that lifestyle of that fruit, what's the point? What's the point of being in church and being with Christian friends and Christian people when you have a lifestyle that hasn't measured up with what you believe? And it's misleading because if I lived my whole life living in in the sinful nature that I've always dealt with, it wouldn't be a good example. But also, it makes me like the term lukewarm water where lukewarm water is literally basically like tap water, right? Like tap water. It's not hot. It's not cold. It's right in the middle. And Jesus has a very large complaint about being in the middle. Now, you'll be in the middle sometimes. I'm not saying you're not going to struggle with anything. I'm not saying that you're not going to whatever. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, is that if I'm constantly living in something that I'm supposed to be against, then there's a problem, and I'm not living out what I believe. But one of the biggest things in relationships is that nothing is greater than having a relationship that is so God-centered that everything is of God. Now, look, I'm not saying y'all meet five times a day, pray over each other, and crochet crosses. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying the cliche Christian stuff. But what I'm saying is that if God is not the center of your relationship, it's very difficult. It's very difficult in a relationship. Without the grace of God, the relationship can be very, very toxic. It can be very, 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 very overwhelming and overbearing if Christ is not the center of relationships. That's why he said, don't be hot nor cold. I know it's in the, the living of the Christian perspective, but in the relationship perspective. Be on fire for me as a relationship or be on cold for me as a relationship. But don't stay in a place where you think you have this Christian tag and then you live a whole separate lifestyle. That's where the lukewarmness comes in. So this is where we have to learn that, am I going to live for him, seek his kingdom with that person I'm dating? And even, and look, even if you're single in here, you can take this stuff whenever you do start, whenever you do get in a relationship, this stuff you can take with. So don't dis, when people, when people dismiss something that they're not going through yet, they will never be able to use it when they do go through it because they haven't kept what they could have used, even though you're not in that season yet. And so I want to encourage you with that. Take this root and let it root. Let it root within your heart, because if you take this and apply it when it does come around, it'll be beneficial. I hated Proverbs. 
I didn't care. I was like, Solomon, you're wise and everything, but I, I just, I'm not, I'm not for it right now. But what it has done is has it's kept me out of places I should have been in if I didn't listen to good old Solomon, where God has used him for wisdom. If I didn't take Proverbs to my heart, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing right now. I wouldn't be in the wise places that I'm supposed to be. It's what you take now that can be used for later. So you both have to be Christ-centered in your relationship. Like I said, I'm not saying be cheesy about it. That's not what I'm saying because sometimes it's like, okay, we prayed for like the 11th time. You need to like chill out. We're, we're, we just prayed. Not like that. But what I'm saying is, is that if Christ is not the forefront of everything, if there's no prayer involved, or if there's nothing mentioning where y'all can grow each other in Christ, then it's like, and trust me, I miss it too sometimes. When Sarah comes over, I don't, I don't even think about, it sounds really, really bad. I don't even think about Jesus. I'm thinking about Sarah. Like, I'm not like, I'm just sitting there like, oh, yay, Sarah's here. And I'm not thinking about the Christ part because we get so glued to the relationship that we miss the Christ-centered part. So to encourage you to not dis, dismantle because it's not your fault because some of us are not taught this. Some of us are not taught to put Christ in the middle of our relationships. They think it's just normal for us to think that it is, but where's the practicality? Where is the practical stuff? So be encouraged by that. Understand that, that and that's a question I want to leave with you for this tip, is the person you are dating or that you have a crush on, quote unquote, passionate about building the kingdom of God, but are you passionate about building the kingdom of God? Tip number two, treat, become a person who treats people differently. I almost said kindly, but I was like, ah, that sounds cheesy. So I went with differently. Differently, what I mean by that is, is that you don't treat people like other people treat other people. Because in the day and age we live in, everybody treats everybody like garbage. So the, so when it comes to treating people differently, it's very, very crucial. I want to show you the scripture. First Thessalonians 5.11 says, So encourage one another and build each other up just as you are already doing. Paul was telling them that if you, are already if you already have that, continue to do that. Continue to pour into each other. Continue to encourage each other. Because in a relationship, you build each other up. In relationships, you, you... Here's what I found. That even in friendships, this is not just relationships, this is in friendships as well. We like to joke and use it as a prompter to hide insecurity. We will use joking as a prompter to hide insecurity. Because, or better yet, you, you, you joke about your relationship, you joke about your girlfriend or your boyfriend because that's your way of loving them. God, it's really quiet in here. <laughs> You use this, I heard this one phrase, we need to stop, and I've, and I've shared this phrase before, we need to stop spiritualizing our dysfunctions. We need to stop spiritualizing certain things. I'm coming for everybody's macaroni and cheese, I'm sorry. <laughs> but, but what I want you to understand is, is that when we start to, oh, I joke with them because I like them. 
It's like as like a, a young guy who like beats up the girl in preschool and she's like, I like this girl. Like, no, you don't. You're beating her up, bro. Like, why? That doesn't make any sense. Bro, you're going to get it. I love you, girl. Ugh. Like putting her head in the toilet. <laughs> no, I'm a lover, not a fighter. So, so it's like, so it's like you use certain things and it causes not just dysfunction in you, but it causes dysfunction in another person. And it causes their dysfunction to arise. Well, one of the, one of the, one of the things that, that I've learned in relationships is that whatever, whatever, I want to get back to the joking one because that one really hits home. That's, that joking part, because you have to look at it somebody else's perspective. It's like, you don't love me if you're going to make fun of me all day. You don't love me if all you do is that. Joking is Fine for a moment. There's a time and a place for everything. But if that's always your communication of love, that's a form of dysfunction that I think some of us have to get set free from. Because it's not just about... God, relationships are meant to build and love on each other. Even in friendships... Even in friendships, we need to build each other up. Because I'm going to tell you something right now. And I've learned this from another, another youth pastor that I used to talk about this with. I'm like, man, we, we, we're in like a joking generation. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's kind of cool because you got memes and everything. You got all these Christian memes you didn't see back then. And he was saying how sometimes, sometimes any... Anybody can use a coping method to hide something. And you can use anything. You can use laughter. You can use jokes. You can use any type of escape to cope something that's not coming to the surface that you don't want to come out to the surface. And, and joking's one of those. This, the one youth pastor told me, I remember that, that I, I, I saw this from a, from a therapist. They said people who joke the most have some of the biggest insecurities they don't want to show. Not because, not because they're mean, but because how they feel about themselves. It's very, very heavy because we take joking as like an easy thing, like a funny thing, like it's a regular thing. But sometimes, y'all, sometimes that love gets stripped when you're walking in dysfunction. When in a relationship, you are trying to love that person, but you're loving them the wrong way. Their love language is not to joke. It might be affirmation, and then you're killing them with that. So we have to understand in relationships what we're doing, we think is a form of love. But we have to treat people differently. And if we don't get that, we'll never get it in relationships. We'll never get it. This is why we have a hard time in relationships, because we're so used of joking around. We're so used of playing things at the surface rather than taking stuff at the root of something. That's the problem. But you can break free from that. 
you can get loose of that because guess what? It happens in habits. It happens in a rotation of what you do. That is when you start to break that habit by the grace of God. You can break those habits of jokes. You can break that habit of certain things because what you are doing in that relationship is potentially hurting that person. And that's where I believe God's grace is able to humble us, forgive us, and push us toward his grace in order for us to change. Because a lot of the times, joking is fine. I joke all the time. I love having a laugh. But something in my soul is like, I'm not going to laugh at this person for something that they're going through or something that they're really insecure about. This is where we treat people differently, especially in relationships. And if you're in a relationship like that, where the majority of what you, you say to them is a joke, or to the person that keeps joking about you that you're, in, you're so in love with and, and you love talking with them, but they joke about you all the time and they roast you for everything, it's like, it's like can they say something nice to me? Understand that they're going through something deeper than the jokes too. Something far deeper than the jokes. Treat people different. Treat people differently. But we're so used of surface. Like even, it's, a, it's, a, it's like an effect where once that happens, once, once, once I preach about this and we go on our way, it's like it just it just whooshes back behind us and then we get back into the same. It's not a preaching thing. It's not even just a conference thing. It's a transformation God's willing to give you. But you have to want it. You have to want. People, people think God's gonna magically change them in one second, in one instant. He could. He honestly could. But the funny thing is, is that there are certain things that God will not do for you to grow. There are certain things God will not pull out of your life for you to get it right. Not in the way of perfection, but for you to understand something. That's why we have to treat people differently. God cares about how we treat others. Tip number three, become a person who is secure in who God created you to be. This is an even heavier one because it's on the topic, again, of insecurity. When we are confident that God is always with us, we will most likely not be shaken within. Psalm 16, verse 8, I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. In relationships, we have this expectation and when expectation is not met, insecurity comes to the surface. And a lot of times when it's like we say, we say this in our head and we have this reality that we make where it's like, if this person really likes me, then I'll be secure. If I'm really with them all the time, then I'm going to be a lot safer. A part of that is true. A part of that is true. But we get so glued, y'all, to the fact that when we get into the relationship and they don't do something that we expect them to do, we get disappointed and insecure. 
and we fall into the demise of an unmet expectation that kills us on the inside. They did nothing wrong. They, it's probably how they're wired. And they do something you don't want them to do because it's not part of their character. And now you're like, how dare they? How dare you not? Right? How dare you not? But that's the insecurity talking. That's the self-talk when it comes to relationships. Oh, if they don't do this, they must not love me. If they don't do this or, or do that, they must not love me. I love Sarah. I love Sarah. But she can even tell you, she is not my God. Let that sink in for just five seconds. One, two, three, four. Sarah is incredible. Sarah is amazing. She's all these things. But if she, if I expected her to do everything great all the time, I am missing it and I am disappointing myself and I'm throwing that on her. And I throw that upon her. Here's the funny thing. We're very honest with each other. I will tell her about insecurities that I deal with, but I will never try to attack her with my insecurities. When you throw insecurities on your significant other or your relationship or your friend, you cause more damage than good because you got what you wanted, but what did you lose? After that, when you attacked, I said, talk about it, not attack, talk about it. This happened just a couple days ago. I had an insecurity and Sarah did something. I'm like, oh, bummer. Like, like I saw that. I was like, oh man, but everything within me wanted to throw it on her. Everything within me wanted to give her a piece of my mind because I'm insecure right now because I'm insecure right now. And the Lord told me, (laughs) all gracious God told me, shut up. (laughs) He told me to shush. And he said, and he told me, the insecurity that you are about to put on her, she doesn't even know what's going on. And I said, okay. He said, he said, take it with me right now and then talk to her about it. Lord, I was about to give her the smoke. Well, no. He said, no. He said, take it with me first. So I took it with him. And I was like, Sarah? She was like, yeah. I was like, I was like, I need to talk to you for a second. She's like, what? I was like, insecurities. She was like, holy smokes. <laughs> She's, she, insecurities cause a lot of damage because it's an unmet expectation that you haven't found in God yet. That you have solely placed on that one person that you love and you care about and you place it on them. You place it on them. And what happens is, is that all of your expectations start to clash. And this is what you say in your mind. This is not what I pictured it to be. This isn't what I pictured. <laughs> they love it. <laughs> Dude, it's funny, bro. It's a, no, no. But 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 listen to me. When you throw when you throw insecurities and you, and you like it's not what I pictured. That's right. 
because the same person that is just like you, flesh and bone, snot, spit, (laughs) same blood, everything, the same human as you, probably the same nature as you, the same habits that you both, you might not deal with the same habits, but you have habits. A person just like you, you have put up like this. You've put them on a pedestal. Now, this does not mean to never talk to them, to not ever give them affection. Like, no, I don't need them. I have God. I have Jesus on my side. Yeah, you need some affection from your girl. Like, come on, like some type of affirmation, like talking, like I love you and all this stuff. That's, that's fine. But once, what happens when they don't, when they stop talking to you like that? What happens when there's a day where you're like, you didn't tell me anything. Insecurity is one of the most dangerous. It's one of the most dangerous, but it is the most silent. Because for some of us, we are very vocal about our insecurities. But for some of us, we are so silent and we downplay it that it'll get stuffed up and then we leave. Because our insecurities are so stuffed down that if they keep going and the pattern keeps going and we never talk about it and all this stuff, you're like, I'm done. And it's like, you were supposed to talk to me first. But that never happens. Because you have relied on an unmet expectation, you drowned it in insecurity, and now you're a victim of your own demise. Because you decided to let your insecurity overthrow that expectation. And now you don't want nothing to do with them. And they're like, where are you going? Like, like they're like following you around. Like, what did I do wrong? You know, like, like because they don't know. Unless you're honest. There are, there's a big thing in relationships. Starts with a C. Communication. If communication is not dealt with as soon as possible, relationships don't last without communication. Relationships don't last without honesty. Now, when you get married, finances and all that, that, that's all in the play when you get married. But in relationship, it's communication, respect for each other, love for each other. But communication is a big deal. If you need to be honest about something, don't be afraid to tell them. Do not be afraid to tell them. Be honest with them. We, when we are secure in God's love for us and who he's called us to be, only then will we be ready for a relationship. Now, don't get me wrong. You will never have your ducks in a row before you get into a relationship. You will never have your ducks in a row. There are still insecurities that I deal with and there's things that she deals with. And we have to not throw it on each other. That's what you have to learn to do. But people are just like the lovey-dovey part, but no one wants to talk about the tough stuff. Nobody wants to talk about the, what they call the bad part. But it's the good part. It's the best part because it makes the relationship stronger. It makes the relationship better. It makes it more healthy because you talk about it, because you listen to one another. That's a big deal. Instead of what can I get from you, what do you need of me? What, instead of what can I get from her, what's she going to give me? What can I give to you? We have been taught to be so selfish sometimes. Now, it's okay to be selfish sometimes. Sometimes it's good to set boundaries. It's good to do that stuff. But when it's all about you, that causes a lot more dysfunction and a lot more turmoil when that stuff happens communicate, talk to each other. 
even in friendships, talk to each other. And for some of y'all in here, y'all like, oh, you're talking about the one sitting beside me. No. I'm talking about you. I'm all about, look, listen, I'm not trying to hog anyone down. I'm all about self-care, self-love. I'm all about finding your identity. I'm all about that stuff. But what about self-confrontation? What about self-evaluation? What about self-confronting? Nobody wants to confront themselves. It's funny how people can confront others, but they can never confront their own self. I could have never, like, confronted myself. Because some of the battles, the biggest battles I've had was within me. It wasn't with people. It wasn't with problems. It was always in me. Because what that does is that because we like to, like, again, spiritualize something that's situational or people, we take it off of us, not because it's spiritual, because we don't want the responsibility. So we put it on something else, call it spiritual, and then we're like, you got it, Jesus. I don't want it. You have to do these things. You have to communicate. You have to do all these things. You have to be secure in Christ. Y'all, if I wasn't, I told Sarah, if I wasn't secure in Christ, I would be worse than the both of us. I would be worse because I would have kept everything in a treasure chest and then showed her, this is what you did. Look at this. Look at my treasure chest. Look at my treasure chest of stuff you've done to me. If I would have kept doing this and kept it in a safe and kept it and downplayed and kept it and downplayed, kept it and downplayed and made an allowance of offenses or allowance of insecurities and allowance of this and allowance of that, the relationship wouldn't even be alive right now. But it's until you learn, I got something to tell you. <laughs> She's like, <laughs> She's like, yeah, I don't know. She's like, not again. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Not again. It's, it's learning to be secure. Because if we're not secure in Christ, we will try to be secure in something else. Because we have core needs. We have needs. We have values. We have longings in our life. And if it's not met in Christ, we will try to find it with something else, finding it with someone else. And then we get utterly disappointed and dysfunctional. And we die on the inside because we're looking at it not of Christ. So you have to be secure in who God's created you to be. The final thing, uh, I hate how I went over time, but that's okay. Tip number four, become a person who is focused on the calling God has placed in your life. Your dating and romantic relationships have a specific purpose. Everyone has a calling from God and your calling doesn't end when your relationship starts. 1 Peter 2, verse 9, but you are not all like that, for you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, but now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. You have a calling on your life and you were chosen by God and you are for a purpose to show other people his goodness. Calling came way before her and then God gave me her. Because calling, calling sometimes because 
I believe God will give you the desires of your heart. I really do believe that. But sometimes we can miss, it's not God that, because some people are like, God misled me, bro. He thought I was going to be with this person, but he, he, just, he just stopped it. I'm like, no, homie, I think, I think that was you. I think that was you. Because sometimes it's not, it's not a lot, period. It's not God that misleads us. Sometimes we mislead ourselves. And sometimes we go down a path that we're like, we, we, we say it's our desire and we call it, oh, God said. But the problem is, is that if we're not really consulting with God about it and we don't have a real peace about it and a real confirmation about it, it will cause a lot of doubt in your heart and you will be more anxious in that relationship. You will have a lot more problems in that relationship, but you will be like, well, God, God put me in this. God called me to this, so I will stay in it. The problem comes when you don't consult God for real and you don't understand your calling. Sometimes God doesn't call you to relationships. Now, look, I'm not called to relationship and I got one. I'm not called to one, but I do want to be a husband and a dad one day. And I was called to do that. God has put that in my life as long as well as my pastor calling, my ministry calling. If you don't start to learn your calling and you follow that first, Jesus said, seek his kingdom, seek his face, and everything else will be added. When you are chasing something and calling it a calling, God says, seek my face first. Biblically, what the word says, it says, seek my face first, and everything else will come right behind you. I wasn't even looking for my calling, y'all. I didn't even know I was called to ministry until I was 15. I was just going about my time. Oh, a nice little youth encounter. Bam, Jesus like called. That's where it happened because I was seeking the face of God and the calling came behind me. I didn't have to find my calling. My calling found me. I didn't have to chase. I didn't have to reach. It was already there because I seeked him first. Because it's about... We get so specific. Instead of specifically asking God what our calling is, why not ask him, Lord, whatever you call me to do, I will do it. When you create more of a spectrum for God, where it's like, instead of saying like, God, I want this, God, I want that, God, I want this, so God, I want that. Instead of saying that, say, God, whatever you want in my life. This gives God more of a free reign to do what he's supposed to do in your life. But, It's until you start to go, okay, God, okay, here it is. Here's me. Once we start to do that, things follow behind. Things come right behind you. So if you have a desire for a relationship, but you're seeking his face instead of seeking the desire, I believe God will trail it right behind it. But if you, I tell y'all, and my sister, and my old, and my younger sister said this one time, not Anna, my other sister, sorry, Anna. Wisdom from Anna herself. <laughs> so, so my younger sister and other sister, she said, she said, it's so funny. When you're not looking for a relationship, it comes around for some reason. When you're not looking for a relationship, it comes around. Now, for some people, that's not true. For some people, it's like, yeah, I did that and nothing happened. But for some people, it's just like when you don't worry about who you're going to date, who you're going to marry, when's my wedding, and you're like 12. Now, we all have dreams. 
No, you, no there's no 12-year-olds in here. It's, four, it's 412. <laughs> but, but, but in context, in a nutshell, I want you to understand something. There's nothing wrong to dream. There's nothing wrong with that. But, but seeking the, the face of God will cause you to keep going down a path you're supposed to, and then everything will be added. Everything will be added. I'm living proof. Everything, I, I didn't even, I wasn't thinking on being called. I wasn't thinking on dating anyone. I wasn't thinking about any of that. I was a little girl crazy as a teenager, but we know how we are. It was just, it happens. Anyways. But, but I wasn't looking at that stuff, but it came to the point where God was like, this is what I'm going to give you because I know what you need, when you need it, and how you need it. And if we start to trust God more like that, like do whatever you want, God, he will be able to give you something that you never even asked for. Because it's not just on the desire of your heart, but it's what he wants you to be in. It's what he wants you to do. It's what he wants you to process. When you start to understand the calling, then you'll be able to find the relationship. But until you stop putting people first in the mindset of not, look, I'm not saying not, not put people, I love people. I could talk to y'all literally all day. We can have three hour conversations and I'll be perfectly fine. I love everyone in this room, but y'all are not my God. That person you sit next to is not your God. Jesus is. And once you start to realize that, everything else will be added. Everything else will be added unto you. But it's until you seek his face first. Well, how long, Jacob? How long I got to wait? I don't know. I don't know. God does not give, sometimes does not give a time schedule of what you're going to have. But you have to trust it like Abraham did. Abraham didn't get a blueprint. God told him what it was. He didn't tell him when, but he told him what it was. And until you start to realize that you have to wait on that, it'll benefit. It'll benefit. That's how you know what to become. That's what you know. With every head bowed and every eye closed. I want you to understand something that, that maybe no one's told you about what you can become. Not what you should, but what you can. The possibility of being a person, a child of God, a, a disciple of Jesus. Maybe no one's told you that. Maybe no one told you, hey, seek, my, seek God's kingdom first and then, you, then relationships can fall behind if it's God's will. You haven't been taught that. And so for us that don't know, we reach and we grab and we reach and we grab. And we cause ourselves to live in turmoil because we're not seeking God first. I want you to take a moment. If that's you, just take a moment to understand and just pray with God for a moment. And I just want you to, I'm not going to tell you to pray a specific prayer, but I want you to ask God in this moment, God, what do you want me to become? What kind of person, what kind of woman of God, man of God, child of God, you want me to become to be ready for relationships? Not that I'm perfect and then I can get into a relationship, but what do I need to work on? We, you are a work in progress. All of us are a work in progress. God, I pray that you would help us to progress in who we were supposed to become, who we are supposed to be. Not what people say, not what the culture says, Lord, not what the world tells us to be, but what you have called us to be. 
Lord, for everyone in here who has a desire for a relationship, Lord, I pray that they seek your face first, that they dive into your presence, diving into your word, giving you a chance to pour into them, Lord God. Let them know who you are as they seek your face. As they seek you in this time, Lord, as they're waiting for a relationship, Lord, help them to not worry, help them to not stress about what relationship they need to be in. But Lord, who are they gonna become? Who are they going to be? Who are they designed to be in your eyes, Lord God? Show it to them, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, for this message, Lord, that I pray that what we need to become, Lord, that you reveal that to us. Whatever calling, whatever whatever habit we have to break, whatever, whatever insecurities we need to face with you, Lord God, I pray that we can face them, Lord. I pray that we can face every single insecurity that is on the bottom surface of our hearts and we stop playing games with ourselves, we stop playing games with others, and we stop playing games with you. Lord, we pray that that you are in control and that you have a heart for us and that you want us to succeed in relationships because you created it. We thank you, Lord for your word, for your revelation and what you're revealing to us. I pray, Lord, they're blessed coming in, Lord, and coming out, Lord. As they leave, let them be blessed and let them understand that you are with them to the very end of the age, to the very end of themselves, Lord, you are with them. Thank you, Lord God, for your word, for your presence and for your promises. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.